0: following the message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org The text today is Colossians 3 1-17 The dwell theme, as I Started pondering this. It's June in a couple days. We're almost halfway through the year when we started. It's amazing. Um, let's let's read the text, if you would, if you wouldn't mind. If you grab your your Bibles and please stand. Um, I think it's worthy of us to stand and show reverence to the Word. Colossians 3 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and you have and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you al- you will also Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with the thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. This is God's word. Maybe seated. Thank you. The title of this uh, message today is, Things Above, Um, and I will continue to remind us that's where we need to look for eternal guidance to our Lord and Savior. As we talked about last month, obeying God's commands, obeying His Word is Jesus God's love language. Spending time in His Word, praying, uh, listening to His voice, and acting on His teaching. This is this is our call. This month we are taking it from a, a different perspective. Last month was the focus of us dwelling in the Word, but our verse for this month is chapter uh, excuse me verse sixteen. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. It's it's reversed. Yes. The notion of dwelling, residing, taking up residence, staying, remaining, abiding. These concepts are the same, but now it's reversed. The Word... Is in us. Jesus is the Word. John chapter 1. The Word became flesh. How are we going to let the Word of Christ dwell in us? Be encouraged. We can take up His cross daily. It won't be easy. We can build on yesterday. God is with us. He is with you. Which means it's possible to keep going, to keep growing. This month I'm going to discuss what the Lord brought to me, which is how clear it is that even in our dwelling, we can get into a routine. That routine actually can give us blind spots. And it's that we need Him to dwell in us to open up those blind spots. That's a shift. So let's go there. Chapter 3, Of of Colossians Uh, many times you'll see in scripture the title of this chapter is Rules for Holy Living Uh, ESV uh, refers to it as putting on the new self for this first half of this chapter Um, it's the Apostle Paul and he's addressing the church in Colossae Uh, as far as I know I'm not an expert but I don't think he actually ever went there Um, this was a church that was led or started by a close friend in the ministry who he's writing to by the name of Epaphras. So this is a little bit of the context and there was issues of strict Judaism and gnosticism that was pervading this new church. And Paul is making it clear what's true and that it is truth that we're after that Jesus is God. He's the head of the church he's resurrected he's fully god he was fully man he came to reconcile us all he's adequate he is more than enough that's the theme of this message now we look at verse one it says if then you have been raised with christ seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. This is where the Lord led me as it relates to the title, to look above, things above. Jesus was resurrected. So are we when we die to Christ. We die to ourselves and are raised up in Christ. This is everything. Many people died by crucifixion under Roman rule, but only one resurrected. He's not on the cross anymore. He's not in the tomb anymore. And when we die to ourselves and we we proclaim Christ as our Lord, neither are we. We are raised from the dead. We have our citizenship in heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And we're called to set our mind on things that are above. This is tricky, this is challenging. We have the hope of heaven. And in tragedies like in Texas and other places and things that are going on in our lives, it is only the hope of heaven that sustains us at times. And we're called to look up, to look to Him, to look to heaven, to dwell. To remain in those things, our world would have us fully distracted. And oftentimes it does. And maybe it seems simple. Maybe it seems, well, I just need to cut this out. The enemy has our playbook. He knows what buttons to push. So, we need the Holy Spirit to set our minds on things above. This needs to be our, our focus, our desire, our prayer. Verse 3 goes on and says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. We were talking about this this morning. This is, the, this is not a physical death. That's the easy part. It's the spiritual death and resurrection. That's the challenge. It goes against our nature. It requires us to submit. It requires us to spend time. How are we doing with that? 2 Corinthians 5:17 says therefore if anyone is in Christ He's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. If you were saved 5, 10, 15, 50 years ago, are you still a new creation? Yes. From the old is, is, is gone. The second you make that choice and the Spirit is sealed inside us, that is a gift not to be taken for granted. Sanctification takes time. I'm reminded of that every day. It's a lifelong process. As we dwell in the Word with Jesus, we become more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. Think about that for just a minute we're seeking to be like Jesus. We want the Holy Spirit to move us, to constantly remind us of his gifts and blessings that we might be more and more like him. Incredible, how do we do that? Abide, remain. Every day is a new day. I say that all the time, and I, you know what? I say it probably too callously. Nobody ever, you know, it's small talk. Nobody ever says, do you really mean that? But when I stop and think about it, it's so true. Every day is a new day. It's not to be taken for granted. We have opportunities to be more like Christ, to reflect Christ in ways that we've never imagined. Why? Because He's dwelling in us when we get into the Word and we meditate on it, when we study it, when we learn all that He is and what He's done, whew, it's amazing. Let's keep going. Verse 4, When Christ, who is, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. As believers, we can't wait for Jesus to return. We see what's going on around us. It should be an encouragement, in some ways it is. Many ways it is, depending on the circumstances we're in, right? We, We can flop around with the winds and the waves. But we know that what holds us together is the hope of Jesus' return. And we trust that He is coming, praise God. But Paul makes an important claim here, which is so applicable to our lives. He says, Christ, who is your life? In our Western culture, they have T-shirts that say, golf is life. Swimming is life. Right? Bumper stickers. We have to be careful these things don't become idols and take the place of God. It's dangerous. Jesus should be our life. Our breathing, every breath, thankful for that breath. Sports is not life. We watch, we've talked about this previously, we've talked about this, we see teams that win Championships, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And as growing up as an athlete, it never dawned on me, after you win, then what? And I always ask that for the young people that I have connections with at school and such, well, then what? It's awesome. If you're using that as a platform to glorify God, we have to be dangerous and careful that these things don't become idols. And that can be a very dangerous thing. We can't pray for victory for a team and think that the God actually cares who wins unless He's being glorified somehow, some way. Now I will tell you, all seriousness aside, for those of you who know me, you know that I love baseball. And you know that God loves baseball too. Probably wondering how in the world can you make that connection? What's the first verse of the Bible? Genesis 1 In the beginning. For those of you that know me and have heard that before, I'm not really sorry. But Jesus is life, He must be. Philippians 1:21 20, says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Look to Jesus. Look to things eternal. Look to things above. Verse 5: Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you: sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire covetousness, which is idolatry. Obviously, these were things that Paul was aware of that were prevalent. Their list is much longer. I've listened to a few podcasts over the last month, and there's a, a PhD by the name of Rosaria Butterfield. Amazing story. Former activist, liberal feminist activist, Uh, who came to know Christ about 25 years or so ago. She asked the question, do do you know as a Christian that sin is your enemy? See, we, we know that the devil is our enemy. And we put him in a special category. But sin itself... It's creeping, it's crouching at our door, right? It's, it's waiting for us to stumble. We have to put sins to death. Dr. Butterfield went on to say, you have to kill it. Well, we can't do that in our own strength. These things in verse five is the tip of the iceberg. We need Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to kill those sins in our lives. She said something, a statement that blew me away. She said, the cross is not there to, for us to be, for, uh, to be friends with the sin that it's crushing. Let me say that again. The cross is not there to be friends with the sin it crushes. Think about that. What are we letting slip in? Are we dwelling on, for a period of time, we get up and turn away like a double-minded man and forget? Are we in the Word? Is the Word in us? She likened it to a domesticated animal. I'm not talking about a dog, even, or a cat. I'm talking about big cats. She used the example of a Tiger cub. And, you know, we know that there's people who raise these type of animals. Tiger cub is nice and cute and fluffy. We've all seen it. Oh, so adorable. And there are people who want to raise it and bring it along, make it a pet. And how often do we hear about the tragedy that happens later? That's sin. Sin. Looks all nice and cuddly. And then one day it's all grown up and it eats us alive. Are we domesticating sin? Keep looking up. Keep looking to things above. Keep looking to Jesus, his model, his expression. Every year when we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we recognize that the wrath of God, which we fully deserve, Jesus took on that cross. Verse 6, on account of these things, in verse 5, the wrath of God is coming. If there you two, in these, excuse me, in these you two once walked when you were living in them. we know that it led to certain death, separation from God. We were destined to receive that wrath. Jesus stood in for us. Years ago, I was in a courtroom this is as clear a picture of justification as you can imagine. I was there witnessing for another case and the judge said to this woman, I'm gonna find you not guilty even though I think you probably are. And she walked out. This is not a judge who was known for being sentimental. I was blown away by that. And that's a small glimpse of what Christ has done for us. That we stand in his righteousness. That wrath is not coming to us. We deserve it, but he's given us grace that we don't deserve. But yet, we still sin. We still struggle. We still have battles on a daily basis. We need to repent daily, maybe even hourly, from those things. And this is not meant to be a negative discussion. The point is, thank Jesus for coming, for saving us, that we can repent. We can literally get down on our knees, ask for forgiveness. God knows our motives, He knows our heart. No, we're not to abuse that amazing grace, we must keep moving forward each day. And I know at the expense of sounding foolish, I imagine Jesus talking in Rocky Balboa's voice and he's he's talking about taking the hits. You keep taking the hits and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. That's Jesus. He knows we're going to take hits. But we can stand in his strength, his righteousness, his grace and keep moving forward. Why? Because the victory has already happened. Praise the Lord. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. That's quite a list. How did they know my list? Jesus said in Matthew 12, out of the mouth the heart speaks. We're commanded to put those things away. James chapter three, verses nine and 10, talking about the mouth and the tongue. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. How can we do this? Maybe it's easy for you. It's not for me. Dwell. Stay in the Word. Stay in community. Continue in prayer. Fervent, consistent, constant prayer. Keep looking up. Holy Spirit, come when I'm on the road, please. Because I'm terrible at that. Even, even euphemisms come into play here. I had a teacher, in, a teacher in 10th grade. I never knew what she was doing. She was in public school, but she was actually preaching the gospel to me. She would say things to me that I never knew what she was actually saying because she didn't quote the actual verse or the chapter. And she spoke to me specifically about these verses and euphemisms, substituting something for a curse word so that it doesn't sound as bad. We become desensitized desensitized in our culture. It is only through the Holy Spirit that we can overcome that. It's only through the love of Christ that we can overcome that. We have to dwell on the word that he might move in our hearts. Me first in line. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me Verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Putting on the new self. That's a daily, that's a daily effort, that's a daily process. We are made in the image of God. Genesis one twenty seven says so. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We're called to remove traces of the world out of our lives. That's what a new self is. We can't do it in our own, in our own strength, however. And as I continue to discover these things, the truth keeps coming out. It's not about me. I need to get out of the way. I need the Lord, the Spirit, to move in me to become a new creation every day, every morning. Never think that we have some special exception or some special entitlement to sin. Never think that, well, it's only a little sin. It's only a little lie. The fact that you're having that conversation with yourself says everything you need to know. We must be intentional. We must look up. We must continue to dwell in Him that He might dwell in us. There's no barriers, there's no separation in society, there's no hierarchy, verse 11 clearly states that. This is what the the amazing change in this message. There's no longer social hierarchy in God's eyes. He came for everyone. Praise the Lord. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. God chose us. He pursued us. He chased after us. He calls us to go make disciples. We have no light of our own. He is our light. We are windows to Christ. How's that going? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I don't think it's in the slides, but it it's clear. but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's us. Do you think he doesn't know that we're gonna fall? Of course he does. But yet he's still calling us to be his witnesses. John chapter 15, verse 8, talks about being connected to the vine. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It is after we've been saved, we've accepted Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, we've trusted our lives to Him, we've submitted. It's by staying plugged in, it's by staying in the Word, in prayer. we can produce fruit demonstrating our love for him in his love language. And many times we've heard Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 25. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's a tough one for me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is for the believer. How do we make that connection? The Holy Spirit has brought it to us. Look up, look above, look to eternal things. God is so, so patient with us. Again, we are called to repentance. Romans 2, verse 4. It's through God's kindness that people come to repentance. It's not by bashing them over the head with the Bible. It's through love and grace. Living it out intentionally. And here's a big one. That we need to be reminded of every single day. The second part of chapter 13, verse 13, to forgive as we've been forgiven. How are we doing with that? Second Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, references our calling. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's your calling. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. When you look in the mirror, do you see that? Let me encourage you. God loves you. You're the apple of his eye. No matter what you're going through, he's going to see you through. He's there because he wants you to be that, to be an ambassador for him, to be the light of this world. Man, he's so patient. How do we do with that? Are we as patient as he is? No way. As I said, God knows we're going to sin again. What's our response? Is it the, in Matthew 18, 21 to 35, I don't think it's in your slides, but the parable of the unmerciful servant, I think pastor spoke of it last week. What an an example. God forgiving a debt that we could never repay. And yet what do we do with something simple that can be repaid? such a model for us. And maybe that's not your situation today. Maybe it's not something that's happened in the recent past. But maybe it's something waiting for you down the road. Stay in in step with the Spirit. Be prepared. Look up. Look to heaven. Look to Jesus. He is our model. Praise God. Verse 14, above all these things, of all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, last month I spoke about God's unifying love. It is through our, our obeying his commands that we demonstrate our love for him, that we speak the love language of God. What is the result? Peace. I'll be honest, with this, this, what's going on this week, uh, in finishing preparations for this message, I was having a hard time. There was a lot of stuff stirring up. And uh, that's why the Lord gave me my wife. Mary Beth, who is the heart of gold and the personality that this stoic old grump needs. Thank you, my dear. It brought me to Scripture that I wasn't looking for. Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't be anxious for anything. What's the result of this unifying, sacrificial love? Peace. It's cliche, right? No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. It's true. The the, the more we dig in, the more that we, we dive in to scripture, willingly, openly submitting, we have peace. But when we hold on to grudges, when we intentionally sin, even if it's only a little sin, we're turning our back on God. We're missing the opportunities to fulfill the Great Commission, to be that window to Christ. Jesus saves lives. Think about that. Do you recognize that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that being a witness for God is an, 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 a, can save lives? Is that our mindset? Is that the, the heartbeat we have? And I'm talking to myself, trust me. Everything that I'm saying here today is looking directly in the mirror. Abide, dwell, so those opportunities don't slip by. That we don't have setbacks. Keep looking up to things above. Now the memory verse for this month was verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly How cool is it when we meet somebody else who's a believer, right? When we, when we cross paths with somebody that's not part of our family, a stranger, and we find out that they're a believer. Be a restaurant or store, post office, whatever the case may be. It eliminates obstacles in that relationship immediately. It opens up opportunities How are we doing when it comes to somebody we don't know? Strangers. It's not my wheelhouse, I'll tell you right now. But when the Word of Christ dwells in you richly, it changes everything. It changes your entire outlook. You're reminded that He is the light, it's not you, it's Him. It's the only way that we can do everything in the name of Christ is by His power. To live in harmony, to live in peace, that's a challenge. But in everything, the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, that needs to be our daily life. Now, it's cross-referencing as we, it's looking at Psalms 119. So, I think there's 170 verses, I think. So, we're going to start with verse (coughs) 1. But seriously, verses 1 through 8. Let me just, I don't think I put it in the slides, but let me, I did mention it in the slides, but I don't think I, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. That's verses 1 through 8. Steadfast in keeping your statutes, seeking him with your whole heart, having your eyes fixed on all his commandments. Jesus said, if you obey my commandments, that's how you demonstrate love for me. Old Testament Psalm says, have your eyes fixed. Verses 10 and 11, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do not domesticate that sin. How do you do that? How do you stop from wandering from the commandments, storing up his word in your heart? It is a relationship with the word, the living word of God, Jesus. It's not, what we were talking about this morning, it's not a relationship like me and a friend. It's more than that. Is that how we treat it? That's how we can do everything unto the Lord. Psalm 119, 36 to 37. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Our culture loves looking at worthless things. Dwelling on worthless things. First in line, forgive me, God. Remind me, remind us, Lord. It's, it's meaningless. Come back to us, Lord. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Is that how we look at the Word? That's how we ought to look at the Word. It's that powerful. Thank you, Lord, for your Word being a light to my path, continuously reminding me that you're a constant in the darkness. keep opening our eyes to blind spots that we might see things that are eternal that are meaningful Lord when we put the word on our hearts we make references to things that are somewhat maybe they become callous Psalms 19:14 never let that be become callous let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer." That's all the time. Not just now. Well, when I get out into the, on the road on 66th Street, it doesn't mean then. Of course it does. And it covers the meditations of your heart when you go back to that list of sins. Many of those things fall into that category. We can't teach. We can't be a, a, a messenger, an ambassador, to the fullest extent that God can use us if we're constantly putting that to the side. Well, I didn't say anything. Meditations of your heart. What's going through your mind? Are we putting our thoughts and our vision on worthless things? Garbage in, garbage out. I say it around my house all the time. Not to say that I would live it, but I certainly say it all the time. Talk to my students. I say the same thing. Hey, Mr. Katero, did you see that movie? Nope. Rated R. Garbage in, garbage out. It's the truth because it's an opportunity for us to get distracted and pulled away from the truth, the absolute truth. We are His temple, not just what we eat, but what we ingest in our eyes, what we listen to, And when we plug in, when we truly, sincerely, intentionally plug in, the result is our willingness to share that message. And I hate to break it to you, maybe you're not a teacher, but you're a teacher. People are watching us. They're watching believers. How we live is educational. And with each other, we need to be willing to admonish one another in love when the case calls for it. How does it look? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Thank you, Marty, and the worship team. But not just here. It should be our heartbeat with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That comes from a rich, close, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, with His Word. And it enables us, it equips us to be thankful and to do everything in his name. It's a beautiful thing. So I have some some questions here. A little bit uh, to the point. But what sinful animals are you trying to domesticate? And what will it take to kill it in your life, in your context, or them? Maybe it's more than one. Do you find yourself, when you make that analysis, underestimating the enemy? Don't. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's pure evil. Evil exists. But by by making that analysis, don't underestimate the power of your God. Because we do that too. God's good for the big things. But every step of the way. Are you repenting daily? What do you think? Hmm, I don't really need to. Hourly? Think about it, pray about it. Ask the Lord to open up blind spots. How are you being held accountable? And don't dismiss this, please. Scripture talks about bringing our burdens one to another. Yes, our concerns, our sin, our issues, our heartfelt desires, we wanna pray, we wanna give those over to God we want to delight in his word, that he would give us the desires of our heart, which is going to line up directly with his. His will be done. But don't underestimate the power of being in a relationship where you're being held accountable. Hidden sin is still sin. You won't be able to flourish the God the way God intends by holding those things in. Here's the good news. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all at the cross. Amen. We no longer need to live in hiding or in shame. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Or is this a stained glass masquerade without the stained glass? Don't let it be. Freedom. We want freedom, we want liberty, right? Memorial Day, that's what it's about. But it's not ours, it was given to us. We have victory over death and sin because of Jesus. That's worth celebrating. That's worth if there was a cup to raise, if there was a trophy, meaningless little trophy, pales in comparison to the victory that we have in Jesus. Do we wake up every morning with that as our inspiration? Let it be, pray that it is. Come Lord Jesus, come. Remind us of your victory inspire us. He invites us all to a personal relationship. Close, intimate, personal relationship with our our Lord. It's hard to grasp. But it's true. Scripture says so. Jesus himself Lord, dwell in us. May your word dwell in us. May we dwell in you and your word. May we never let go. May we keep looking to things above, eternal things. If you've heard these words today and it's inspired you, it's encouraged you, praise God. If you don't know Jesus and today is the day that you feel moved by the Spirit, let's talk. Let's pray. Pastor Colin, myself, Pastor Fred, anybody in leadership. Don't wait. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. If you need to recommit, today's that day because you've been kind of lukewarm, kind of not sure, maybe a little bit in disarray, feeling a little disconnected. That's okay. Today's the day. Recommit. Don't wait. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us. Holy Spirit, come. Be with each family, meet their needs, God. Help us to connect with you, to dwell in you. Holy Spirit, open up our eyes, our ears, our hearts, that you might dwell in us richly, that the word of God will be on our hearts that we will be connected with you constantly, regularly, never letting go. We look forward to this day, whatever you have in store, God, we know you are with us. We're encouraged by that, we're strengthened by that. We praise you for all of it. We go forth into our mission field ready, strengthen what remains, God, that we might be your ambassador, the light of Christ, to this dark world. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.